You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Hey everyone, it's um, good morning, good afternoon, happy lunchtime, good night, whatever time you're, you're watching this. Uh, welcome. Uh, here at our Burley Church Online, we have been going through a Leviticus series. And I'm going to be honest with you, when I originally sat down and looked at Leviticus, the title of this series is called A Holy New Year. And the reason why is I just wanted to go over Leviticus and look at how God formed these people through rhythms and patterns. That was the heart of it. And capture some of his heart for our lives to be intentional and deliberate. And it was going to be a great January series. <laughs> and it's now half a year later or more. And we're still going through it because it just, it captured it captured me um, as I delved into it and I looked at these ancient, what we have, what other people may call barbaric or old school or or just ancient or inapplicable or un, unrelevant. Um, it couldn't be more wrong as you look into these deep rhythms that come from Yahweh, come from, well, I believe, come from God and are through and right through his, his hope for a community and speaks to us even today post-Jesus, post his redemption, his sacrifice and his restoration, we can live and still know God's heart through this ancient book. So we've got about a couple more to go. And what I kind of want to talk about in these last few is then what, what, what I don't like, what, what, I'd, what I'd hate to come out of this series is that people just got some information, some fun facts, because uh, life isn't a quiz. Um, we don't get to the end of this life and there's a test and we have to fill out and get marked on. It's Life is about growing. It's about stepping out. It's about stepping into this life, whether it's suffering, whether it's great days, whether it's bad days, whether it's celebration and, and growing and looking and sounding and becoming more like Jesus. And so the next two, I guess, are an invitation to step out and give yourselves to this ancient but eternal mission, this eternal build, if you will, of God's kingdom. And so today is kind of about giving, generosity. Um, how do we give? What do we give? And probably more important than that this morning or today or whatever time you're watching this is what do we give from? So we could talk about giving. We could talk about what to give and how to give. I, I believe you probably know that. What I think is super important is when we're stepping out, when we're looking to build the kingdom, what do we give from? Because I don't know about you, but some days I have nothing left um, or feel like I'm running pretty empty. And so when people start pumping you up, talking about building or doing, what do we give ourselves from? So first of all, I want you to have a think. If we were in a church setting, I'd get you to talk to the person beside you. But have a think um, about the best event or party or dinner or holiday you've ever had. And then just have a bit of a think. If you're watching this with someone in a lounge room, you're watching this by yourself, have a bit of a think. You can talk to them though. And what made it special? What made it good? What what was the reason it was the best holiday or dinner you've ever had or event with people? What made it good? What turned it into a great time? I'll give you a sec to have a think. As you're doing that, if you have your Bible there or you have your app or whatever, it'll turn to Leviticus 23 because we're going to have a look and continue on in this series. 
The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy. And they are my appointed feasts, the Sabbath. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy conviction. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places, the Passover. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the appointed time for them. In the first month on the 14th day of the month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifth day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation and you shall not do any ordinary work. But you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. And then I'm going to skip down to 15. If you've been with us through this series, you'll know Leviticus is thick, <laughs> layers on layers on layers on layers, hyperlinks to all types of other verses. And so let's just keep going through and we'll un- unpack this a bit. A bit. You shall count seven full weeks from the day after Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. You should count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath and you present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling place two loaves of bread to be waved made of two temps of epra. They shall be fine flour and they shall be baked with leaven as the first fruits to the Lord. And you should present with bread seven lambs a year old with blemish and one bull from the herd with two rams and they should be a burnt offering and their grain offering and their drinks offering, a fruit offering with an pleasing aroma to the Lord. And then I'll skip down to 22. Again, heavy stuff, thick stuff, but I encourage you at home to go through and read through these things. The details are amazing and they all link to other things. But let's go down to 22. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor, for the sojourner. I am the Lord, your God. And then lastly, 23. Well, last but not least. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel, saying in the seventh month on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with a blast of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. You shall present a food offering to the Lord. Skipping then down to 33, which is highlighting this picture of these festivals that God has ordered, these these times of stopping and celebrating. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying on the 15th day of the seventh month for the seven days is the feast of booths. On that day, there shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. For seven days, you shall present food offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day, you should hold a holy convocation, present a food offering to the Lord. It is solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work. And then 37, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as times of holy convocation, presenting to the Lord food offerings, burn offerings and grain offerings, sacrifice and drink offerings, each on its proper day. Besides the Lord's Sabbath and besides your gifts and besides all your vow offerings and besides all your freewill offerings, which you give to the Lord. 39. On the 15th day of the seventh month, you shall be gathered all the produce of the land. You shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. It's a festival for seven days. On the first day, you shall be solemn rest. On the eighth day, shall be solemn rest. So first and eighth. 
and you shall take the first day of the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of lifty trees and wallows from the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Party, basically. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It's a stature forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israels shall dwell in booths that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Thus Moses declared to the people of Israel the appointed feast of the Lord. All right. All words aside, (laughs) all repetition aside, take this in for just a moment. Seriously consider what's being said. What is the broad picture of what God is asking his rescued people to do, to plan, to be intentional with? Past the repetition in ancient law, as God orders a society, he chooses to spend two massive chapters on rest, on celebration, and community. Of all the things God has got these people to do thus far, around gratitude, around forgiveness, around cleansing, around security, around forgiveness of sins, he chooses to spend these massive parts of his law of his plan around rest, celebration, and community. This actually does something in me personally as I read through these type of verses. I think as a young man who grew up in a church that at times Christians were celebrated for being workaholics, almost awarded sometimes or uplifted how dry or negative or angry, or boring, or judging, or critical, or nasty they could be. Sometimes that was what, not all the time, that was what was revealed to me through some of my church experience. That was almost uplifted. If you're a nasty sort of workaholic, then you're kind of, you're almost celebrated. It turns out that those things actually aren't God's priorities. They might be what people think is awesome, but God doesn't. Nothing about that here. When God orders his people, when God has say, when God is in in charge of his community, it's not where you work or here's what you'll build or here's your KPI that I need for you. It's first and foremost, here's where you rest. Here's how you'll celebrate. Here's where you'll be present in excellent community with me, your God, and each other. And yeah, we'll do some stuff with dad and we'll build a nation with dad. But right now, let's rest. Let's make sure you know when to celebrate. Let's make sure you know when to do community. Let's pray and we'll continue through this passage. Father God, I just pray that you open up this passage today. You Give me the, the words to speak. And as people listen to this, as people are digging into this pretty Tough bits of scripture, Lord, I just pray you reveal your intention, your plan, your rhythms, your transformative ways, Lord. And I just pray for us listening to this. Pray speak to us now in your name. Amen. You see, Egypt, the enemy's kingdom, the ones they were rescued from, defined men by their ability to make a brick. 
their definition of what was good was build an empire, build big buildings, pyramids in their own glory, slaves to the hamster wheel that you might remember we destroyed over Easter. There's this empire outside. This is everyone. This is this is this is this is the sorry. This is the empire that surrounds these people, tribes trying to do more, trying to be more, trying to build more, defined by what they produce. Funny enough, you go three and a half thousand years later, and we're just it's the same thing. <laughs> everyone's tired. Everyone's busy. Everyone's trying to cram in everything into this world to squeeze everything out of it. Everyone's medicating and numbing themselves just to get by, just to survive in this KPI building brand influence driven world. Their own product, they're always hustling. Same thing 3,000 years ago, same things today. People trying to please God, essentially. Whether their God is their friends, their society, their social media, they're still trying to please their God. In these days of sacrificing children, making slaves, ripping people off, harvesting the land till it was barren, till not even a person visiting could have a little bit of the edges. God, very punk rock of him, says, my tribe will be defined differently. (laughs) They're not going to be defined. My people are not defined by how busy they are, how tired they are. They're defined by their their rest. They're defined by their festivals, their celebration, and their excellent community. This is what God is about. This message went fully forward into the New Testament in both Jesus' teaching and Paul's. This is not just an ancient thing. And so I just want to give us three encouragements today of what that might look like for us modern day, to be defined in that punk rock kind of way or redefined, not as people of busy, influence, brand, whatever, (laughs) but to be defined by rest, celebration and excellent community. Let me give you three encouragements. Number one, do you give yourself family, do you give yourself slash your family or friends permission and time to rest? Do you give yourself? We're talking about giving today, but we're talking about what you give from. And so first of all, do you give yourself and your family permission and time to rest? And why do I say give? Well, there's two types of rest in the Bible and in life. There is rest where you collapse on the couch, under the fan, (laughs) on the weekend. Rest where you want to disengage. Rest where you want to be numbed, where you want to sit on the couch, where you just grunt at your wife and kids. Pick at them, um, let things get under your skin easily. Kind of, you got all you got left. You're so exhausted, as all you got left is the dregs for everyone else around you. That's not the rest we're talking about. That's not the rest God is inviting us into. Sometimes we need to. Sometimes being so big, I get that, but that's not what he's talking about here. This, this is a different type of rest. Side note here: these festivals. Um, really important to do a bit of a deeper dive into them sometime in your own personal Bible study or even look online or look through some commentaries. Maybe we'll do something in the future here. But these festivals all line up, actually. Funny, these rhythms around farming cycles, around stages of the year. Jesus actually did a lot of his miracles around these festivals. Really interesting, this, this intention, this layer on layer on layer. But the point being that this is planned rest. This is not exhaustion on the couch. This is rest that engages you, rest that is responsive but also ongoing. 
Rest that looks forward. Um, rest, rest that provides something for you that God wants to do something in. With these seasonal festivals, they're reminded to not just rest from their work, but rest before they enter the next season. Rest after that one, but rest before that one as well. Resting into the future. Resting in the face of the unknown. So it's an act of faith. So at the end of a farming cycle, you might stop. You might sacrifice some of your crops. You might eat and party with some of your crops. And then at the very end of that, you might um, rest not knowing if the next crop is going to be good. It's an act of faith. It's an act of expectation. It's a rebellion against anxiety. It's a rebellion against control. It's a rebellion against hoarding and accumulating for a rainy day. It's, it's, it's a rebellion against just trying to squeeze the very life out of creation and this earth. It's about having the type of rest that allows you to fall asleep in a storm because you know the one that is in control. Not becoming mad around security, but resting in the one who has it. Engaging with a giver of rest. This is good news for those in the room that say, that sounds great if this is where your sermon's heading, Steve. Rest. But I have a kid in hospital every second week, you might say, that's sick. Um, I have some elderly parents I'm taking care of. I have some major surgery coming up, Steve. I have a pretty busy and full life. I have 14 kids, you might be saying. (laughs) Or like friends of mine that have two kids and then decided to have one more but end up with twins and life got crazy for them. You might be thinking to me, oh, okay, you're about to preach at me at rest. I'll tell you where to put your rest, Steve. (laughs) Because you don't know my life. And my encouragement to you is, believe me, I understand. I get it. Maybe not your exact circumstance, but I do get it. This is not just a bash over the roof and say, make sure you're resting because life is busy. Just just the, the ground floor is busy. But that's why this news is so encouraging. And so and Paul gets this as well, and so does New Testament Jesus. Listen to this. This is this is Paul. For if Jesus uh, for Joshua had not given him rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from this. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. That's Paul speaking out of Leviticus. He's talking about an effort to rest, interesting enough, physically, but also to enter a rest daily, sleeping in the storm. It's a marker point of your day. So it's not necessarily always works out that you can sleep 12 hours, although that would be good for you. It's not necessarily that you're always going to get the perfect relaxing weekend. There's sickness, there's life goes on. But Paul's invitation is to make an effort to enter a deeper rest whenever possible every day, to remind yourself Jesus' work on the cross, to remind yourself that when he was on the cross, it is finished, he said. It is done to wake up each morning, even if it's five or 10 or 15 minutes, and acknowledge what God has done for you. Acknowledge that you can rest in him today no matter what you face. When you get home from work, it's about acknowledging what he's done in that day. And on the weekends, yes, it's about trying to rest physically and emotionally, 
but also again in the chaos, acknowledging that God's got this, thanking him and enjoying everything he's given you in that season. The sun shining, the world still spinning, this water falling. God is providing. We can give our weeks to him. Number two, do you give yourself or your family or friends permission and time to celebrate? So first of all, we want to talk about resting. Do you give yourself permission and time and intentionally try to rest? And now we're talking, it's very clear that God wants you to design and make time in your year, in your life to celebrate. It's almost an escalation of rest. In the face of unknown, not just to rest, but it's almost rude to celebrate. It's seemingly wasteful to those with more stingy mindsets. Literally imagine this if I said this to my local church. Hey, guys, I want to collect 5 to 10% of your money each year. And we're not going to put it towards a charity. We'll do that as well. We're not going to put it towards some mission work. We're not going to put it towards our latest building project. I want to use it for a seven-day festival where we eat and drink and party. How quickly would I probably be let go? (laughs) Might be my last week of that sermon. But that is exactly, exactly what they do in Leviticus. Well, they're asked to. I don't know if they ever actually do it properly. But they're asked to do in Levitical law. Take 5 to 10% of their crops, of their funds for the year and celebrate for seven days. On surface, you might say that's wasteful but I'm preaching the word of God here. So think what you want. This was God's intention. God is saying here that there is a confidence, a seemingly recklessness of generosity, of time, of energy and action when it comes to celebration of who God is. So we're not just celebrating anything. We're not just celebrating every single weekend and blowing our paycheck. We're celebrating with intention. We're celebrating in an intentional, disciplined time, God and everyone around us. It's like that, that good meal, that good dinner I ask you to reflect upon. It's the people that probably made it so great. It's the timing, it's the season that made it so great. It wasn't that it's every single weekend. It's not, it's not reckless for no purpose, not reckless to numb or distract. It's generosity given because we know the one in control. We can celebrate because we know who provides next year. We know who blesses us. We know who makes the world spin, the rainfall and the sunshine. Completely different value to going down the surface, which is our local nightclub district, every Friday night and getting wasted and gambling and overindulging. That's a destructive pattern. It's a key difference whom we're celebrating. For those down at the club district, um, and again, I'm not judging anyone. Do what you want. If you're connecting with people, that's if you're distinguishing, if you feel like that's the place you should be. I'm talking about that overindulging, that, that throwing up, that drowning out the anxiety, the depression, trying to ignore the feelings of being lost. That's what I'm talking about, numbing the sin, disengaging essentially from life. It's very, very different to what God is asking. Being clear here, it's it's not a disengagement from life and celebration, not numbing it. It's a celebration of life. It's an engagement fully into what God has blessed you with. It's worship. 
These festivals that are outlined here in Old Testament are worship, eating, celebrating, being in the present with God in that moment and celebrating what he is doing amongst your community is worship. It's a full year's wage of perfume that was poured over Jesus' feet in the New Testament. Yes, it could have gone to the poor, but when Jesus, when it was on Jesus' head, because of what God was doing in that moment, he was worthy of praise. It was almost as seamless to those watching a wasteful, reckless celebration, but it was an utterly incredible act of worship and engagement and celebration. How does that sit with you? As you think about your church family or your community, make you think, are you giving time to celebrate, truly celebrate? Then you think a bit wider. Do your friends or family know that Jesus is worth celebrating when they see your life? When those people in universities, your neighbours, when they see Jesus in our wider society, do they see the church as a place that celebrates? Or do they instantly, do they instantly, is that their uh, word recognition? Do they hear church, Christians, do they think of celebrating, eating, resting when they think of God? Does our society know God like that? Nor go God's people? Or do they think of uptight, tie-wearing, rule police who are obsessed with hell and only excited when they talk about another place? The only time they light up a Christian is talking about the eternal life, which is great. But imagine if we're also known about being the party bringers, the celebrators, the engages, the rested life in life now. I think about our style. I think about our churches. Do we celebrate our families? I think I have some repent repentance to do with this personally. I think sometimes, all the time, I forget to celebrate what God is doing in my life my community's life, my family's life, my friend's life. Sometimes I get so uptight, worried about what I'm producing, what I'm doing, and it stresses, and I then I just use rest or Netflix <laughs> or sugar or whatever to disengage and distract myself, not engaging fully in rest and play with Dad. Number three, do you give yourself and your family permission and time to be present? Last one today. Thirdly, this amount of rest, this time of celebration means something pretty significant. It means God's people, or at least in plan for his people, means they actually did time together. You can't be that busy if you've got plans for time of rest and celebration. When you're no longer an Egyptian brickmaker, but participators with the divine, it means they don't have to have stand-up meetings. It means they don't have to have quick coffees. They don't have to catch up with people on their way to the next person after that meeting. They're rested, they celebrate, and they are present with God and each other fully. With God fully, with their families fully, and with their friends fully. They got to break bread, they prepared and shared meals. They shared in actual struggles, they got to share in actual wins. This time and energy created excellent relationships. And it was actually something intentional and designed into their life. It wasn't accidental. Fully present with each other. Do you give yourself permission to be present with those around you? Or you're always on your way to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. 
I know how you could respond to this and I completely understand one response to this would be, and it's it's been put into modern society, you might be thinking, I hear this on rest, celebration and presence and almost slowing down, but I don't want to be lazy, Steve, you might be saying. And it's a question that runs through my mind. I'm a product of this society. I don't want to be lazy though. <laughs> it's the darkest sin of corporate Western church, <laughs> apparently, um, especially in the American culture, but also translate into Australia. How dare we be lazy? We're okay with greed most of the time. We're okay with anxiety. Um, it can be medicated. It can be covered up. We're okay with jealousy. We can sometimes overlook gossip, um, but we cannot. <laughs> Western society, the heinous sin of maybe being lazy is like an arrow through the heart. Here's the catch in all of this, though. And let me untangle this lie that is planted in our current culture because here's what God knows. If you're fully rested in God and it's scheduled and it's intentional and it's organized, if you truly celebrate deeply what Jesus has done, if you're fully present with yourself and others and in worship to God, if you're present with him, it's going to overflow. It's going to shine out. You can't help but be more creative because you're connected to the ultimate creator. You can't help build the kingdom because you know the king more fully. You can't help but do God honoring hard work because even sweeping the floors becomes a task for the king. We give everything because we're reminded of what's been given. We give because through our rest and celebration, we realize that we don't own it anyway. It's all for God. So we might as well give everything he's given us. As for the Old Testament, it was about a reminder of the rescue from Egypt and oppression. For us, it's a res rescue from the dark dominion, the dark empire, the sin, rescued with, from, with Jesus, rescued by Jesus who gave it all. And we can live and rest in that. We can't help but offer our lives as worship. We can't help but give it all. We just give. It's what we do. Offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, as it says in Romans. Lastly, I just want to finish with my own personal experience with this. The single thing that has kept me, I've been in ministry almost just under a decade now in church ministry, and there's some pretty high burnout rates. Sometimes they're exaggerated, sometimes they're under-exaggerated. But either way, it can have a profound effect, a negative effect ministry on my family and on my friends and, and me, um, possibly. But the single thing that has kept me from being cooked or burnt out so far is about four years ago, I started a really intentional, strict, but not religious, and you don't have to do, this is just something I do, but compelled by this idea, I started to plan a Sabbath. Again, a broken record. I've spoken about this before, but it's what I can offer you as lived experience in relation to what God's talking about here. So things like I try to sleep well. I attempt to. Sometimes some late-night movies get the best of me, but I attempt to sleep well. I try to not take my laptop on holidays. I try to pray before and after meetings so it's not a meeting on top of a meeting stacked. I try to pray in the middle of the day trying to reduce my social media, I'm trying to reduce my TV. And then on Saturday, Friday night, I'll often, and I've talked about this before, but 
Friday night, we'll often try to sit around my family and thank God for everything he's done or there's an act of gratitude. We'll try to put technology away, try to spend time with my wife and then Saturday morning, try to do breakfast together. And sure, we have kids' parties. Sometimes we have nippers. We have all types of things that are on. But we try to enjoy everything that God has blessed us with for Saturday morning. And then by the afternoon, I can start to let Sunday morning start to stress me out. (laughs) Trying to give this 12 hours, if you will, or more to God and resting and enjoying everything he's blessed with me, especially young kids as they're growing up. I don't want to miss it. I fail miserably a lot of weeks. Some weeks when we start off, I get cranky and cross because I'm doing nothing, feeling lazy, that, that voice. But I'm getting better at it. And honestly, it's kept me in the game thus far, learning to rest, learning to celebrate, learning to give it to God. And so what's it for you? As we talk about stepping out of this Leviticus series, letting it form us, what are the rhythms of rest in your life? What are the rhythms of celebration in your life? What are you intentionally doing about that? And what are your rhythms of presence with God and each other? Have you given yourself a plan? Are you going to give yourself to these things? Let me pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're not a God that's like, okay, at the end of the day, what have you done? What have you produced? What are your KPIs? You're a God that wants us to rest. You're a God that designs ways to celebrate, even recklessly, you know, in a, in a way of worship. And you're a God that wants us to be fully present with each other and you. God, help us design our lives around this so that we can overflow with your presence, <laughs> your creativity, your inspiration, your worth, and go and expand the kingdom in a different way. Many empires have tried to do ways in trying to, uh, under slavery, under oppressing people, under KPIs, under influence and whatever. Father, let this be a different kingdom. Help us build a different way, different way to be a stronger and more eternal kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.